uh, before I forget, uh, Chelsea reminded me that um, there is another ladies' retreat at the end of June uh, at Emmanuel Bible Camp and PEI. So before I forget, I just wanted to mention the dates this year are June 22nd to the 24th. And these little folders are at the back to give you a little more information about the camp. And if you have any questions about the retreat itself, feel free to check with me um, <coughs> or Chelsea. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Becky mentioned Bible school. And uh, I went to Bible school. I was a single girl and uh, kind of at sea in my personal life at the time. And I went because I felt like it would be a good way to spend my single years for eternity, pretty much. Felt like that at the time. And um, while I was there, I, um, I realized the Bible is a very simple book, really. I actually felt like I didn't learn anything new. Uh, I'd grown up in a Christian home. Um, my dad was a Bible teacher. He had never... Well, he was at Bible school for maybe half a year, and uh, at MBBI, actually. But he hadn't spent any more time than that there, and he was a Bible teacher. And really, the things I learned at home were the things I learned at Bible school because the Bible is not complicated. It's really not. It's, uh, there's a lot of words, but it's just one book. And um, I found that consoling, comforting somehow. There wasn't a whole lot of new information. It was just God sent his son to become a human. Think about that. That's what the Bible is about. God created us, and then he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to become a human being like us so that he could take our sin on him and die for us so that we could then have a relationship with God properly and spend our whole eternity with him. We could have eternal life with God. So what a wonderful message. That, could there be any better message than a God of love wanting us to be with him forever? That's the bottom line. And uh, so there's nothing too complicated there, really. Um, the summer before I went to Bible school, um, I had come through a bit of a breakup. And I remember being out on the canoe with a bunch of friends. And that summer, I decided I'd read this book. It's called Knowing God. It's an old classic. And, um, oh, it was like good medicine for me. It really helped me relax and trust the Lord because he's a God of love. He's a powerful God, and he cares about me. So this book is on that table. It's going to be on that table at the back. Um, we have... I don't know if we have any Christian bookstores in HRM anymore. Uh, I'm not aware of any, and the one in PEI that I normally go to is closing as well. So we thought this year we'd provide a library table of old and new books, and um, so you're welcome to go and borrow one of those books from Jane. Jane Osborne is our librarian. We have an excellent library here with a new plate on the door right to my right, uh, Lending Library and you're very welcome to use those books, and they are an amazing resource. That's where we took the name Godly Voices, because uh, really, there's so much, so much we can learn from mostly women on that table, but there's some men as well. So just want to point that out. 
Um, I wanted to uh, draw some attention to a woman's story in the Old Testament, to her godly voice, to see why her statements about her faith were recorded and still read thousands of years later. So I have a little bit of trivia, although this is not trivial, but it's a, a question. Jesus Christ spoke of only two Old Testament women that I know of, and this kind of surprised me when I really thought about it. Can you guess who they are? I'll give you a hint about one of them, if you can't think. Jesus Christ mentioned two Old Testament women. Okay, the hint is that one was African, as far as we know. She was from Africa. Yes, who said that? Yeah, the Queen of Sheba. Uh, we think Sheba was possibly the Persian Gulf, possibly Ethiopia. Very intelligent woman, very deep thinker. She wanted to visit Solomon, a long, very difficult trip. And Jesus Christ paid tribute to the Queen of Sheba. He also mentioned another lady, and never mentioned her name, but he said where she was from. She was not a Jew, not from Israel. She was from uh, Sidon, which is an area on the coast, in the, on the north. Uh, the woman of Zarephath. I don't know if you remember that story from Sunday school, but uh, actually I had to teach it in Sunday school this year, and it has stuck with me ever since. This is a few months ago. I'll read about, first of all, what Jesus said about her. Uh, then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. <coughs> in Israel. Notice he says that. She was an outsider. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, outside of Israel, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So this woman apparently was an example. She was an example of perception, of recognizing a true prophet when she heard it, of hearing God's voice in a desperate time. There was a great famine. The heaven was shut up. No rain, people starving, many widows. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath. Only one was willing to have God speak into her life. That's what Jesus meant. Only one was willing. Remember the Noah and the flood when he built the ark? How many people answered those 120 years of preaching, urging people to get on the ark? How many actually ended up getting on? Eight people. So that's, this is not an unusual thing. So here's the story. This is back in uh, 1 Kings 17.8, if you want to read it, or I'll just read it to you. Elijah and the widow. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, 
please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. <clears throat> so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, <clears throat> do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See? Your son lives. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So that's all she said. That's a very simple story. Big events in it. True events. Um, six things to notice about this incident. The Lord said, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. The Lord gave the command, not Elijah. This is not about Elijah being greedy. This is about the Lord giving this lady a command. Number two, the Lord gave the promise that the oil and flour would not be used up. He gave a promise with the command. Number three, she went and did, according to the word of Elijah. An all or nothing, supreme, surrendering step of faith. She somehow believed it. She gave him the last of her food and the last of her child's food. It's a big step. She must have believed something big. Number four, she and he and her household ate for many days. The oil and flour were not used up as the Lord had indeed promised. Number five, then the Lord raised her little son from the dead. Number six, the woman's faith became massively 
strong. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She saw these things. Her faith was strong. I, I went to a concert Thursday night to hear Paul Belosh, and uh, there's one thing he said that stuck with me. He said, I've been a Christian for about 30 years. He said, I've seen too much to go back. I've seen too much. And I, I really felt like that's, I feel like that for my own life. I feel like I've seen the Lord do too much to turn back. He's just so amazing. So the widow of Zarephath wanted two things. She wanted life for herself. I think of those poor Humboldt moms. And there's something else she wanted. She wanted her child to live too. Nothing worse than losing the child. So I think we all feel the same way. We want to live forever. We don't want to age. We don't want to die. We want to live forever. I think we have that urge and that desire, that craving to live forever. And you know, that's a God-given urge. The Bible says he has set eternity in their hearts, in our hearts. I don't think animals feel like that. I don't know if they do or not. But we want to live forever, and that's a God-given desire that drives us to seek for God because that's where eternal life is found, in Jesus Christ. We want to live forever, and we certainly want our children to live forever, don't we? Isn't that a deep, deep thing? I want to encourage us not to lose heart. The Bible says don't lose heart and pray. Do you want to be a confident woman? This woman became strong in her faith. Now I know she was confident. You want to be confident? You got to take that step of faith like she did. That has to happen first. You hear some information. You see some evidence. There's no such thing as blind faith, by the way. That's not a scriptural idea. It's faith based on evidence. You see evidence, written historical evidence, people's lives changing, creation itself. You look at the evidence, you take your step of faith, then you see what God is and does, and then you become confident, unshakably confident. That's how it works. If you want to be a confident woman, obey God. Let's take that step of faith and obey God. Jesus said, you must be born again. Are you willing? There's always people that are not born again who come to church, and that's wonderful. Really, that's wonderful. You want to make an informed decision. So if you need to think about it for a while, think about it. But are you willing? The Bible says these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You know, the big thing we know about Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross. That's because in God's way of doing things, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That means sin cannot be dealt with by God unless there is death, someone dies, and the only person who's qualified is Jesus Christ. That's the way salvation works. We have life in, the, in Jesus Christ himself because of his death for us. This woman wanted to live. You want to live. You want to have eternal life. And you can have that through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can pass on that information to your children. And they can have eternal life in Christ. 
No greater joy. No greater joy. Now, as a Christian, in view of the fact that God is able to give us this eternal life, to supply our food, our water, look after us in whatever way he wishes, then what? How should we then live? And that brings us to the very end of my little talk here that um, for Christians, the older women are to teach the younger women. It says in Titus, the older women likewise, that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's a pretty tall order, but that's what a Christian woman, that's what we're told, is supposed to look like. But really, if it's the God of the universe, the one who created the universe, the stars, the sun, and the moon, um, Jesus Christ raised people from the dead, raised himself from the dead, healed a blind man, healed a lame man, stilled the water, walked on water. You know, we come to God on his terms, right? We trust that whatever he says about his little creation is best. He's God of the universe. So are you willing to take the step of faith and follow him in these areas? Are you going to say, I will follow you, Lord, I'll love my husband because God is able to help me. I will love my children, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because God is able to help me. I'll be a godly homemaker because God is able to help me. I will obey my husband because God is able to help me on every level. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, but he is the shepherd. He is the captain of our souls, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. We live life on his terms. By his mercy, we wake up each morning. By his mercy, we will live forever. That's amazing. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and supernatural. I pray, Lord, that your word would not return void, that it would be planted in our hearts and bring forth the most beautiful fruit in all of our lives, Lord. Help us to bloom and grow and become confident, Lord, in you because of what you can do, what you are doing. Help us to yield to you <clears throat> in whatever way you are speaking to us this morning. I pray your blessing on our fellowship, Lord, and I pray for each person here that they would follow you that they would seek you with their whole heart, that you would help them, Lord. Help them to see that you are able. Lord, you know each person's life here. You even know how many hairs are on each head. Lord, you know our lives are far more complicated than appears to everybody else. But Lord, you are able to make the crooked path straight and to bring beauty from ashes 
Lord, if you could raise a little boy from the dead and raise yourself from the dead, you can make our lives beautiful. And I just pray, Lord, that your will be done in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.